Welcome to Season 4 of the Powered by Rock Podcast. We'll bring you the best stories in rock music with a focus on highlighting independent rock musicians and their music from all over the world. No, rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's just time for you to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started. The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. We're going to be speaking with Ray Carlisle, the sickest punk band around, Teenage Bottle Rocket. Teenage Bottle Rocket is one of the most well-known post-90s punk bands with nine full-length albums released since 2003, along with a few EPs, a live album, a handful of splits, and many appearances on compilations over the years while touring extensively for most of the last two decades. They were actually the first live band I saw after COVID came back and you know we could actually go out and see stuff again. They're the epitome of punk rock in almost every sense of the word. And I'm excited today to hear more from Ray about what they have coming up with all their tours that are following a brand new EP that was just released entitled So Dumb. And it's also known as So Dumb, So Stoked. On top of all the cool stuff they have accomplished over the years. Hey, Ray, welcome to the show. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to kind of start here. Like, I don't want to go all the way back to the beginning, but I kind of want to just get this understanding because I grew up in North Dakota. I had a punk band in North Dakota and I kind of knew that like there was nothing around me and I'm kind of like, you guys kind of were in that same scenario where there was like, there's not much around you. Like, how did you actually kind of do this? But, you know, it's not often you're hearing a lot of great music coming from Wyoming and it's pretty much, you know, unheard of that punk music, well, at least before you guys and the Lillingtons and stuff like that, that there was any sort of legacy or premier punk rock bands that came out in that era. But when you first formed Teenage Bottle Rocket back in 2000 with your brother, Brandon, did you guys have any expectations of where this might go? Who, uh, you know, we didn't really think about 20 years from now, you know, yeah. <laughs> 20 years since we started the band. So the expectations were set a lot lower um, when we started and we sort of, yeah, like, it, so no, I guess we we never expected to be, be 40, 20 years later. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it was just like we, we expected to, like, maybe make gas money. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever think, like, hey, we're going to, you know, play with fat records and get on their label at some point? Or is that something that just was, like, completely un unthinkable at that point? No, no. I think the fat records had entered the dream for anybody that was in a band, no matter where you were from. And if you were into punk rock music, you knew of fat records. And uh, we, we, we knew that Mike liked the Lillingtons, you know, so yeah. um, especially when Cody joined, there was, you know, the fact that there's the Lillington sticker on the inside of the War on Errorism record, you know, it's not, we didn't overlook that little detail, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, so signing the Fat Records is definitely like a goal or a dream, but an expectation, yeah. it's, it's weird to say, like, you know, we just did it <laughs> yeah and i guess that's what happens when you play a lot of shows meet a lot of people play with a lot of bands and just work your ass off over a couple of decades right yeah yeah totally i i, I don't know it, it's hard to like get into 
what the exact equation is to sign a fat record. So I, don't, I don't know, but I do know that the, the equation for being in a punk band for Teenage Bottle Rocket has always been to record, tour, repeat. And, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning that we did nine fully records and we're definitely working on a 10th and we're going to continue to tour as much as we can. And um, which is less than it was back in 2007 or something like around then whenever we all have kids and we get yeah. split for for large amounts of time and not have responsibilities at home but now we try to do more of like 10 day stints where we're touring 10 days um out of a month yeah um, but yeah it, that, that, that was sort of the equation that we put together it's just like you know record release tour repeat yeah yeah, and then obviously you guys never seem to run out of material. I mean, that's one thing about your music is you, most of the time when you release an album, like you still have an EP in between the albums or something else that comes out on a compilation. It's like you guys were constantly releasing new music regardless of if it was a full-length album or not, right? Um, yeah, a lot of that comes from us recording a full-length album that's 16 songs and we only put 12 on the record and so we'll yeah. have some leftovers and that's how we did the split with Broadway calls with the two songs that were weren't used uh, when we recorded morning device and we did the mutilate seven inch whenever we did um, we just had a couple leftovers um, <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good piece for, of advice for, for when we did uh, freak out it's hard to keep track of it you know we did Olivia goes to Bolivia um, on the going back to Wyo split yeah. anyway yeah, it's just it's always been like that you know we'll have a couple leftovers um and we should release all that stuff on like one record yeah sort of I like mean, Team Spotter Rockets Remains by Acclaim Trio it's like we're, we're we're overdue for one of those yeah I think I was just gonna say it's like a pretty good idea for bands that who are not experienced at recording right so like most bands will go in, they're like, these are the 10, 12 songs we're going to record. These are the 10 or 12 songs that are going to make the record. But most successful bands actually have like 30 or 40 songs that then they'll record like 15 to 20 and then chop that down to an album. So I think for a lot of bands that are, you know, hey, we, we only got enough money to do two weeks in a studio or, or two days in a studio, whatever it is, like practice your ass off at like 15, 16 songs and get a couple extra and then and then release the album with a certain amount of songs, and then use that other stuff for, you know, singles, compilations, EPs, anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah, man. I mean, it, it, taking advantage of studio time uh, is is kind of clutch for being in a band. I don't know why that. I for some reason my my mind just snapped to one thing that Teenage Bottle Rocket does is we uh, start recording vocals as early as we can. We'll get started started on. Uh, drums but we'll we'll record like main vocal parts to scratch guitar parts yeah. just so we could get started um early like sing a, two songs each a day or something like that or one song a day because if we're in the studio for like 10 days or something um we'll get started as early as we can so you're not record all your guitars record all your bass or record all your drums and then you do vocals last and you blow out your voice because you only have two days left in the studio yeah like 14 songs yeah um, so i think there's like, like a lot of bands make that mistake it's just like coming in prep for in the studio consists of knowing how how hard you could go at it without blowing your voice out and also learning that is by blowing your voice out in the studio 
Yeah. Um, I think Roger Waters famously did that for Pink Floyd. And it was like, they had to like wait two weeks to record with him again, because like they went in paid for all this like expensive, like t- record, uh, you know, studio time. And it was like a million dollars or something like that. And he had to wait two weeks and he was like, oops. <laughs> yeah. It happens more often than you would think. It, yeah. It really does, you know, and it's just, I mean, you can imagine traveling a long distance record at the blasting room and then Bill Stevenson's reproducing your record and your voice leaves town. Yeah. It's it's a nightmare and it's happened to bands live before it's happened to bands in the studio and you know, there's there's tricks to all that stuff. You know, if you're doing a lot of shows, you don't want to sing at a hundred percent chill out, go somewhere yeah. seventy five miles yeah. an hour. And I think that's another good piece of advice. Uh, I know uh, Mercy Music, they recorded in Blasting Room and like up two weeks to leading to that thing. They were like, you know, we're going to play one show. And it was like they were supposed to play with Dan Andriano um, from Alkaline Trio. They're supposed to play like a post party or something, a post show party or something like that. And they're like someone from Dan Andriano's uh, crew got COVID. And they're like, we're not playing the show. Like we're not going to risk getting COVID and then going to Blasting Room and then Bill looking at us like we can't do anything. <laughs> So let me ask you, let me ask you, obviously fans of like Teenage Bottle Rocket are going to know that your brother Brandon passed away in 2015, which I, yeah, I can't even fathom. Like my, I, you know, my brother was just here for the weekend and I can't imagine like that ever happening. Like that's pretty hardcore and it's just heartbreaking. Right. But he was not only your brother, but I've heard you mention specifically, like he was your best friend and I, and as twins usually are, they're like inseparable for most of their life. Right. I'm just curious, what were your initial thoughts about continuing with TBR? I've seen, I've seen your press release and everything like that in the months after his death. And then do you ever feel like you have like to leave a legacy twice the size of your own so that you can have, you know, the, the, the legacy of Brandon as well? Hmm. I mean, the legacy of Brandon really is just playing hard. And I think the teenage bottle rocket tries to keep that mentality alive yeah. with our, with our live show. Um, Chuka certainly goes hard in the paint. Um, and so to keep that spirit alive is, is something that was going to happen inevitably. You know, it's not like we were going to, let's tone everything down, you know, Brad inside, let's chill out on the energy on stage, everybody. <laughs> I, I think of it in a way it's like we, we want to go out and, and go out and throw some punches. You know, go out and fucking try to fucking kick its ass. And sometimes you get your ass kicked. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes yeah. you can walk away and, and be happy about what happened. Um, yeah. So, yeah, keep a, keep a brand spirit alive as far as the energy. And, um, you know, just it was it was a hard situation. And it's hard to go through. And we all certainly miss Brandon so much. And lots of stories about Brandon in the van. I'm sure Chuka at this point feels like he knows him. Yeah. Yeah, because he was he he never met Brandon, I assume, because you guys only met Chuka after the Oh, after maybe he did. Maybe he did. Um, I met Chuka before Brandon died. Okay. Okay. I was gonna say, because I don't think I ever heard the story of how you guys actually found him. I just remember you know, saying like we found another brother from Canada, basically. <laughs> I'm like yeah, this is interesting. Let's see where this goes. And yeah, he's fucking amazing. And you guys all fucking kill it when you're on stage. Yeah, I went to, I, I was working in Canada. Oh, in, okay. In Alberta, in this town called Wainwright. And the Riff Randalls were playing in Edmonton. 
And I took a road trip like four hours up the road to watch the Riff Randalls play in Edmonton, who's it's uh it's KJ from Chicks Diggett's wife, Karen or Kathy, Kathy Camaro. Okay. And um I knew some songs. I had uh, their full length. And the old wives opened and Shuku was badass. And I was just like I, I there was no hesitation whenever I was thinking of someone to play drums for Bottle Rocket. I just like love the way that Darren was animated for the old wives and yeah, asked him, asked him to play in the band and we asked him to fly out. We asked That's him awful. to fly out because we didn't know, you know, what if he showed up and he was like weird. Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> hi guys. Like, just man, sits in the corner. <laughs> like, why does he smell? Like, oh, he snores loud. We'd probably put up with that actually. Um, <laughs> Can't be but any yeah, worse than like, Cody, like, right? Fly out to Wyoming, you're in the band. It's like, come and fly out to the Wyoming. We want to see, we want to see if we vibe with you. Like, we know you can play the drums, but let's see if we could like kind of be in a van together. And then when we were like, let's do it, we were on Warp Tour, and that's like two months long, and it was a real. I remember one time I drank so much I threw up in my bunk, and Chuka cleaned it. Like I was too wasted. Like, and then like Chuka was like cleaning puke out of my. Fuck. What a nice guy. What a nice pretty. <laughs> Little initiation for him. <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> I guess like we really got a chance to um become brothers on that tour. Yeah. You know? That's and, awesome. Yeah, you know. We we lost a brother and gained a brother. Yeah. Very um, cool. Being in, a, being in a band, you know, it's it's hard to be in a band with your twin brother because you fight like brothers and you say motherfucker all the time to each other and everyone's like, Jesus Christ, they're crazy. Um, but also, I've heard people compare being in a band to like a, a marriage, like sort of a, like a relationship like that. And, and it's that there's a part of that as well that's true. So, yeah. Um, I know I'm messing around this whole, like the, the root of this question is... Uh, how do we keep Brandon's spirit alive or something? But I don't know. We got it. We got it done. <laughs> it's there's no there's no right or wrong answer. It's your answer. So that's the only one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so I think another thing that obviously some people might know about you guys is that you guys all kind of have well, I shouldn't say all of you, but many of the people in the band are in multiple side projects. I know you and Cody are in SAC. Um you know, Cody also has the Lillingtons that he plays with every so often when they're active. But how do you guys keep Teenage Bottle Rocket so seamlessly together while still giving yourselves room to explore other projects and not get overwhelmed or, you know, hey, say, hey, like, well, you're paying too much attention over here or whatever. Like, you know, some bands will get pissed off about that kind of stuff. Oh, um, mm, you know, it's an interesting question because, like, there, there's a, a couple sides to it. I mean, as far as time goes, Bottle Rocket is only active when we're on tour and whenever we're in the studio, um, mm -hmm. outside of like recording songs on our own or writing writing songs on our own. So um, that is to say, we don't ever practice ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we we sound check at every show, which is like more than a hundred shows a year. Yeah. So I guess if you want to call that a practice, like, you know, if we want to learn a song, like we just played So Dumb on tour, that's off the new EP. The song's a couple of years old, but we had to relearn it. And we learned it during a sound check. So I guess that's a practice. But we don't get together to jam. Like, SAC 
jams religiously. I'm driving down to Denver all the time to go and fucking shred with those guys. So it actually takes up a lot of more of my like free time because you're like prepped for a teenage bottle rocket tour. Like I'm going away for the last 10 days of April. I know it's coming. Um, sex practices are a little bit more like, hey, we're getting together tomorrow and it, it's rad. But uh, um, so yeah, the, the, the way that we we find time with, with our side projects is just uh, having something that comes up like the tour we did with the with the Huntington's and the, or the tour we did with Lagwagon, and then like kind of practice our asses off of that before we go out. And um, and then we got home. We were home for ten days in Bottle Rocket. Went out with the Queers, and we didn't practice at all for that because Bottle Rocket doesn't practice. So, uh, <laughs> so is it just a matter of you guys writing the songs and then going into the studio like with everybody kind of knowing the parts already because you sent them like mm -hmm. a demo or something? Totally, yeah, we'll demo a song and we'll send it to the other members and we'll show up to the studio and they'll have the demo. And sometimes the studio magic will happen where it's like, oh, I never thought that it should go like that. Sometimes it's obvious, like, this needs to change to this. And I'll have some, yeah. some ideas of how we're going to um, break away from the original template of, of a demo. Um, yeah. You know, and then other people in the band will hear something or, you know, let's try this and it doesn't work out. Um so it's not exactly tattooed at the demo stage yeah uh, and and that's 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 it i mean we definitely do not go to the studio like jam, we jam we don't jam out the songs before we go to the studio everybody just goes in the studio when we hack out our parts and that's how we tattoo them that's that's the nice thing about modern technology because that used to never be possible really for like most musicians right because you couldn't record stuff at home that easily and sound good right so you well have to we like... demoed everything from total with a camcorder oh wow <laughs> yeah yeah so just like videotape that shit <laughs> then you guys all go home and practice right. it and i'll see you in two weeks we didn't get it right. We recorded some songs in the wrong key. We had to move some stuff around. We had to make some moves. But uh... <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, let's talk about the the new EP, So Dumb. Obviously, it came from four songs that you guys recorded for the album Success, which came, which came out last year, or was it two years ago? 2021. It yeah, came out so, in August of 2021. Yeah, so it's about a year and a half, two years old now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think that these four songs might actually be some of my absolute favorite songs of you guys is like, I don't know why they didn't make the album, but I'm like, every one of them, I'm like, these are fucking great songs. Like these are really melodic. They're, they're fast, but they're also like just really well done. So what did you guys decide? Why did you guys not to release these ones? Was it just because it didn't fit or they had their own kind of fit together or what was the decision there? Um, so with the, all the songs that are on Success and the So Stoked, So Dumb EP, it's 16 songs. So we put 12 songs on Success, and the, obviously the dilemma is what, what songs aren't going to make the record. Um, I will say that Squirrel almost did not make Success and Heart Attack was in place of Squirrel until like the last second. Um, we knew we were going to release these songs on a on a seven inch. It's just like really win win. Are we going to yeah. do that? So it was painful. It was painful to choose these songs that didn't make it because they're also great. You know, so Stokes got this positive message that I love, and so Dumb's got this negative message that I love. <laughs> um, yeah. And Heart Attack's got like one of my favorite outros ever. Yeah. Um, so. 
we, whenever we put together a Teenage Bottle Rocket full length, we try to like, you know, how many songs are about girls? How many songs are about like negative girl songs? Or like, or is it a love song about a girl? Yeah. Um, what, how many non-girl songs do we have? All that kind of stuff comes into play. Um, so you don't want just like 12 straight love songs? <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to mix in, um, I, you know, your I want to be a dog. So you got to, you know, and the, like the squirrel, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it, that, that all comes into to play. And, and I think it is easier to kind of have like a, a smaller tech, theme. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Text sings more out on an EP with more, it gets more attention whenever you release it with four songs rather than a heart attack stuck on the second side of the full length where Squirrel was. I think it could have been overlooked. So I think it's getting some attention that it wouldn't have had released yeah. with 11 other songs. So there is that. Yeah, I was going to say, and you can kind of do like a little bit of a, a theme, like a concept for a single EP too, because like So Dumb, So Sick, like you said, it's kind of like, the polar opposites of each other and because one's on one side and the other one's on the other side kind of makes for a nice little seven inch kind of have like a little theme there. And then, yeah, yeah I mean, totally. the songs do stand out. Right. Yeah. So cool. So dumb. So stoked. Yeah. And you think about that kind of shit too. How's this going to look on the back of a record? I always like when everything's look like that. I'm like, Whoa, these, these songs are similar. Yeah. <laughs> like the front, the similar front cover, you know? Just like yeah. let's just like let's like make this as primitive as possible. That's sort of the template that we've stuck to. Is like this, so the Ramones came up with this stuff. It's simplistic. It's not supposed to be this amazing, crazy, abstract art. I don't, I'm, I'm sure I lost my train of thought, but yeah, I think whatever. it was just it was just about like making sure that the art wasn't abstract. You guys have that kind of pretty solid, uh, yeah. you know, single color skull and bones kind of thing going yeah, for you know, there's, there's, there's like a little more texture i think on these songs yeah, yeah. um there is like church bells and, and heart attack and uh echoes and um try to fucking throw down dog shit yeah. <laughs> just play as fast as you can as hard as you can and scream as loud as you can let's go <laughs> everybody all at once <laughs> oh, that doesn't that sounds perfect okay yeah, so what I want to do right now is just go ahead and play the song So Dumb and, like, let people hear it if they haven't heard it because it's a pretty damn good song. I mean, like, literally everybody – the one thing I, you know, I never get until I actually, you know, buy the record is, like, who sings the songs, if they even say it on there. But who's actually singing So Dumb? Because I, I, you and Cody sound so similar on so many of the songs that, I, like, I actually get them switched half the time in my own head. Like, who's actually singing the song? So is this, is this your song or is this Cody's song? This is Cody's song, right? This is a Cody song, but Miguel wrote it. So oh, that's right. That, that's, right. That, that's worth noting. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was writing Miguel it about, wrote. obviously, like, you know, social media and the social social stuff of everybody hating each other and stuff like that right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's all right there. It's all yeah. right there. It's, um, you know, like maybe all kind of filtering or funneling into the B-suite scenario. And it's just like always easy to become grumpier in our old age i guess (laughs) and uh, a little bit more jaded and hating everything um cool there's a positive message in here on this song there's a positive message hidden pay attention yeah there it is 
do I have your permission to play this song so that YouTube and Spotify and everybody knows that I have direct permission from the artist to play this song? Well, I, I mean, I, I can't be held financially responsible. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't dude, don't quote me on it, but yes, you have my permission. Shit, dude, I mean, how else are we going to get on the YouTube? We yeah. finally made it. Let's go. Sounds good. So we'll be back right after this. Here's So Dumb by Teenage Bottle Rock, and we'll see you in just a few minutes. Welcome back to the Power Bottle Rock Podcast. I'm here with Ray Carlisle from Teenage Bottle Rocket. I'm going to ask him some hot seat questions that make him sweat a little bit, maybe cringe, a little baffle him. I don't know. We'll see. But hopefully you got to listen to So Dumb just now and got a rock out. So now you're going to have Ray doing a little bit of sweating here. Ray, are you ready to be put in the spotlight? Here we are. All right. You're going to put your own spotlight on yourself. So I know yeah. Wyoming isn't technically the Midwest. Uh I grew up in North Dakota, so like we kind of called that the Midwest, even though it's probably not either, but it's not far off in both culture and geography. So I'm going to ask you to name your favorite Midwest punk band of all time. And this can be basically anything north of Texas uh, from the Rockies to the Appalachians. So no Ramones because they're New York, that's East Coast, but anything in the Midwest. Who's your favorite Midwest punk band? Um, let's go with Banner Pilot. Oh, awesome. They're from uh, Minneapolis, right? Is that, that where they're from? 
Yeah. Yeah. They're very, that's great. That's a great answer. Like I just actually heard about them like three years ago. I was like, I'd never heard of them. They're fucking awesome. So that's a great one. I have to make sure other people know about that. All right. Here's an easy one. Well, let me ask you, is there any reason why you guys, do you know those guys? I'm assuming. Yeah. Bottle Rocket tour with Banner Pilot. And uh, they're just awesome. And I wish that they would play more. Yeah. Um, right now I'm going through a major Banner Pilot kick. Um, so, yeah, there you go. There's my answer. Cool. Number two, here's an easy one. As someone who lives in the general vicinity of Yellowstone National Park, which is a super volcano, if you didn't know, I'm sure you do. How often do you sit and wonder? I hope this bitch isn't going to blow up anytime soon. Um, not not often. I, it doesn't really <laughs> cross my mind. Um, I think my wife trips out on my whole house collapsing. Um, but, you know, hey, man, when it's your time to go, you don't know how, you don't get to choose. Yeah, and you're not going to outrun a super volcano explosion. Well, actually, you do get to choose how. You can. Yeah, you, you technically can. Let's refer to the So Stoked lyrics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't really, don't really think about it too much. But I mean, you know, if it was going to take everybody out, it'd be nice to be go to go first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're right here. You guys will know about it yeah, man, right after we're it. gone. We gonna we gonna see what's going on first later. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> All right. So question number three. I don't know where the band stands on alcohol consumption this, these days. I think you guys are still drinking. I know that Cody was the last time I saw you guys play sack. You guys were definitely drinking. I don't know if everybody in the band drinks because it seems like everybody now is like getting old. Not you guys specifically, but they're all kicking alcohol and becoming vegans. But in your guys' prime, did you ever have those nights where you just had to prove who could handle their alcohol best? If so, was there a specific time you remember being the craziest? Mm, the craziest? Who could anybody had to prove that they could handle their alcohol the best? Or even if you, even if you guys were just that, drinking your faces off. As far as Bottle Rocket and memorable nights with alcohol and an individual member, it's definitely not them handling it in their best. Uh, <laughs> That's usually how it goes. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. <laughs> so, I mean, we proved time and time again who could handle it like the shittiest. Uh, <laughs> and that goes for everybody in the band. I mean, uh, Every fucking member um, has proven how lame they can be on alcohol. Let me ask you this. Do you ever have, did you? I I, I probably have the record for proving how fucking lame I could be. Um, But uh, we don't, I don't drink anymore. I I haven't drank since December of 2020. Um, But there's been plenty of crazy nights with Teenage Bottle Rocket and alcohol. And some of them ended up with vomit. Some ended up with blood. There's been <laughs> blood, which is always a scary scenario. Um, there's Did been, you ever have a time where you, you don't remember anything? But... One time I was on tour with Bull Beats. I drank a bunch of alcohol, and I wrecked walking. Not skateboarding or something fun. I was walking. <laughs> Fell, and I had to go to the hospital in, in Switzerland and get stitches on my eyebrow. And... They tried to keep me overnight, and I jumped up out of my hospital bed, and I escaped under the door open like Indiana Jones. And we made it to uh, Milan, Italy for our show the next night. We wouldn't have if I didn't escape. And uh, 
Yeah, that was a pretty wild one. I mean, I'm sure the whole band was very embarrassed to be like, in a band with me. We were on tour with Volbeats, and we were playing these huge stadiums, and I had to go and play in front of 16,000 people in Austria or something the next day um, after the Milan show uh, with basically looking like Rocky Balboa, man. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Yeah. Question. Um, I, I'm the one time Cody pissed in the middle of the hotel room and we're like, Cody, you're pissing in the hotel room. You're not at the toilet. And he said something along the lines of that's how we do it in the movies. And he jumped back <laughs> in bed. I'm like, all right, well, everybody avoid the wet spot. <laughs> yeah. That's sleepwalking right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's awesome. All right. So I always like to throw in a food question to almost every show and Wyoming's not ne necessarily known for their, cuisine by any means necessarily but it's actually home to one of my all-time favorite food uh, fast food restaurants which is taco john's so are you a taco john's fan and if so what is your favorite menu item knowing that there's only one right answer here okay well i mean i will tell you that i definitely know more about taco john's than you do because i worked there <laughs> for about five years um that's awesome. the best, uh, menu item is definitely the sierra chicken sandwich it's not around anymore um <laughs> but uh what what's your right answer potato olays man they're the best okay potato olays um yeah I, dude i'm not much of a fry guy okay. that much. i'm not much of a fry guy uh, i love their i love everything on the menu but the reason why i'm addicted to it and every time i see one i'm like I have, i'll even drive like out of the way anytime there's anyone anyone in a city near me I'd be like, I'm going to fucking Taco John's for some potato LA's. I'll eat whatever else. I don't care, but as long as I get potato LA's. <laughs> My friend made me steal him a bag of potato LA seasoning. And, um, you know, I warned him, like, too much of a good thing is the bad thing. <laughs> but uh, I think he was so stoked. It's like the LA seasoning. Um, yeah. So you become addicted and now he's like homeless or something? I don't. There's a Taco John's in my town. I don't go to it anymore. But if they brought back this year chicken sandwich, which they do sometimes, I would fully go. I would yeah. fully go. In fact, I make my own spirit chicken sandwiches at home. Um, well, it helps if you used to work there. You kind of know the secret. I do, man. They have this Parmesan peppercorn dressing you mix with guacamole. 50-50, man. Half guac, half Parmesan peppercorn. Wow. I, 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 you can't really find Parmesan peppercorn dressing. It was like a Cisco <laughs> item. And then Taco John started making it with like creamy Italian dressing, way more twangy. It, it wasn't the same. The old Sierra sauce with the guacamole and the Parmesan peppercorn is what made the Sierra chicken sandwich. And I, I do it in my house and um, it's not very healthy. <laughs> so here's the chicken. That's totally healthy, but let's go ahead and make it not healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a chalupa. <laughs> Deep-fried awesome. pita shell is what it is. That's sounds good to me. I'd eat it right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a fried gordita. It's a gordita dropped in the deep fryer. Yeah, yeah. All right, last question. Question number five in the hot seat. What four musicians would you put on your personal Mount Rushmore of musicians, either for being the most influential or just your favorites, four individual musicians that go as like, you don't have to like, they don't have to all form a band. It could just be, you know, two drummers, three drummers, four Here's singers, my favorite whatever. Songwriters fucking ever. Yeah. Um, you know, Joey Ramone, Cody, 
Um, it's like, I only know two musicians. Let's go on no, to the next I'm question. Travis Barker <laughs> will play drums. Okay. All right. Write songs. Who's my fourth member, Warman? <laughs> Bring Deeds along now, man. Uh, he likes the Grateful Dead. My kid <laughs> listens to the Grateful Dead now. Um, I'm losing him. I don't know where he's going. You know, <laughs> kids become defiant. And then they, they do what, like, I guess you could become an, an, a country artist or something. But I think Milo's more of like a fish rapper now. He like, he like widespread panic meets rap. Um, Interesting. It's like, we make two-minute uh, punk I'm songs, and you go out and make nine-minute jams. I'll Weird Al on there. Let's get Weird Al on my Mount Rushmore. That's awesome. Joey Cape, I mean, Joey Cape. Yeah, Joey, Joey Ramone. Cody. Yeah. Travis Barker. And Weird Al, there they are. That's a great one. I there mean, it is. For all different reasons, but that's awesome. Yeah, let's see what you guys come up with. Some sort of parody. <laughs> <laughs> parody ever. Yeah. Song about Taco John's. Like, just not fucking Weird Al make write us on the best song ever about Taco John's. Yeah, that, and it'll be like set to like I don't know, I don't some some Ramon song that could fit Taco John's with the, it with the melody. Sort of Bobby Ramonish. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's that's it. The spotlight's off. Um, I, I don't see sweating, so that's a good thing. But we will be back in just a few moments to wrap things up and see what Ray has coming up in his future with Teenage Bottle Rock and any other projects as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Reverend Guitars embodies the idea that every run of scorching lead and every roll of finger-picked twang deserve the same passion and commitment to quality. Whether you're selling out arenas or playing in your living room, we know that what makes an instrument powerful is when players wield them to create something remarkable. A melody that moves mountains. A riff that just won't quit. We want to be there in your hands when that happens. For us, that means staying true to what we believe. Somewhere along the road of electric guitar history, it became a crazy idea that guitar makers should craft guitars with the same sense of purpose and passion, whether they're played in a bedroom or an arena. If that's a wild idea, then we're in the right place. Carrying six strings and an attitude, and wearing good company. Reverend Guitars. Well played. Running your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow, it's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success, and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head to DIYRockCareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Go to DIYRockCareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode. Then I lost my Welcome back to the Power by Rock podcast. I'm here with Ray Carlisle of Teenage Bottle Rock at SAC and, I don't know, probably 10 other uh, punk bands that I don't know about yet that he's working on for future stuff. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about what you guys have coming up because I know you're busy uh, I actually talked to you, the, you know, Christian, the, the guy that, you know, reached out to me is, I think he's your guys' manager or press release or, or press publicist or something like that. Um, but he's like, yeah, they're touring pretty much the entire year. So right now is the best time. So let everybody know what you guys have coming up. Um, well, yeah, we, like I said earlier, we try to chew off like 10 days a month and sometimes that turns into 15, sometimes it turns into 20, but yeah, we're, we're, we're doing a bunch of stuff in, in Germany. We're doing um, the next two shows are in England with The Offspring and Pulling for Soup. <laughs> and then we're going on tour for 10 days with 
the queers in Canada and then 10 more days um, at the end of June with the queers in Canada and some American dates like Tacoma, Washington and Fargo and Minneapolis nice. are on those queer shows as well. Um, Maybe you should get Banner Pilot to come hang out for that show then. Yeah, dudes, come out. That's that. That's you know, I've always admired getting Nate Gangelhaus bass tone, and I I was listening to Sack Ripper yesterday because we had Sack practice last night, and um, the bass tone on, on Ripper reminds me of Banner Pilot bass tone. It's it's nice. cool. Anyway, nice. like get your bass tone sounding great, and then add gain just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> there you go. Now your bass should sound good. Um, but yeah, we're we're going everywhere. We're going to Hawaii. So let's go surfing. And that's never an easy trip. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one state, right. That's so far out of the way that almost nobody ever goes there. So you have to make sure that you go there for the right reason. <laughs> it's gotta be. For we play, yeah. We played 49 states. We haven't played Alaska. So um, this will be our second time in Hawaii. Nice. We're real lucky. You go there and you're lucky to be in Hawaii playing music. Um, yeah. Dude, it's rad. I bet I've been to Hawaii twice. I love it, but I've never, no one's ever been clamoring to see me play guitar in front of people yet. So <laughs> let's talk about obviously the new uh, music. Cause I, from, I think you've kind of mentioned it earlier, but I also have heard that you guys are actually going to be recording the new music soon, like later this year, or the end of this year or something like that. Uh, well, bottle rockets recording demos right now. Um, there's definitely, Definitely hard at work on a new record, but we also haven't booked studio time. That's gotcha. what's really coming into fruition is whenever Miguel makes the call and we have studio time booked. Gotcha. Uh, how we how we go about recording this next record will be interesting. Um, you know, I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, and the blasting rooms right up the street, and we recorded yeah. eight or nine records there. It'd be an obvious let's go back but um we're also gonna go in with different things in mind with guitar tone and with human error you know we always love having produced records but we also want to have feedback and pulled chords like i don't know fucking dare i say it vocals that are out of tune a little bit jesus christ <laughs> It's like, I don't think I sing that right, but it doesn't matter. And um, and, I, and all of us do. And the raw element, I've always been a big fan of the guitar tone on Freak Out. Yeah. Um, been yeah, chasing I, that down. Been chasing down the Freak Out feeling. I was, like when I Ed feel like it's... comes in, it punches me in the face, and I fucking love that. <laughs> I was going to say, I always feel like it's one of those things, like when you first record, there's like one song or – you know, maybe even just that whole whole album when you first ever record, you're like, there's something about that that's really cool. And then, you know, a lot of bands do it. Their first album has like this unique tone. And then they go out and spend more money to get, you know, better production. And it's like, yeah, but there was something about that tone that you had, you know, on your first album or even on your second album that has kind of diminished or is just not there anymore that it almost is like, oh, man, if you could combine the production and keep that tone, it'd be perfect. Yeah, totally, dude. I mean, you could you could take a picture of the console and turn every single knob and use the exact same preamp, the exact same mic, and the exact same room with the exact same bass, with the exact same amp, 
and it doesn't duplicate your bass tone from whatever record you're talking about. I mean, it's just like people do it constantly. It happens more often than you would think. Um, you get lucky sometimes whenever you're recording these records. We're fortunate enough for the Blasting Room actually holds on to our hard drives and we could look up exactly what amps we were using and exactly what microphones we were using on those guitar amps for freak out. Nice. And it, you could get close to it, but you're not <laughs> going to be able to duplicate it exactly. Yeah. Which isn't exactly what we're trying to do anyway. Like, like the goal is always like, as far as production goes is to make it sound better, you know, like let's make it sound like if you, if your goal is to like, let's, let's copy this guitar tone on freak out, but then let's also make it better, yeah. you know? So like, let's not, let's not be content with just, Oh, it sounds exactly like that. Yeah. So everything's got to kind of move forward. And uh, th there was a hard times article. This was like teenage bottle rocket reportedly working on their second song. And there's some truth in that because we, <laughs> we have, um, Whenever you have a Teenage Bottle Rocket record come out, you could expect a certain Teenage Bottle Rocket element that's just like, they all are like this. But there's always added production and there's always the weird songs that we're definitely going to have on this next record and maybe even more so. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I want to I wanna experiment more. We're going to. We're going to experiment more on this next record. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a Teenage Bottle Rocket record. And we'll see, man. I mean, we're at, like, right now we're in the creative part. So I'm, I'm happy with the demos. I showed the Broadway Calls guys the demos the other day, and they were losing their minds. Miguel's singing a song. Nice. Say that. Nice. So well, that'll be new. Miguel's singing lead vocals on a song. Don't fuck Great. it up, Miguel. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a little bit of everybody here that probably wants to say, well, fuck hard times. But then at the same time, like, well, if they got you guys to kind of think maybe a little bit different or get pissed off about something and change something and, and it works to be fucking no, awesome. No, now we're going to give them any of the credit at all. No, it's not, it's, <laughs> not because, it's not because hard times made fun of us. No, yeah. no. It's because we're 45 years old and we're finally thinking outside the box. No. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's going to be plenty of three chord elements in Teenage Bottle Rocket stuff on the new record. Of course, it's going to be a Teenage Bottle Rocket record at the end of the day, but we've always been known to fuck around and we're going to certainly fuck around. Nice. Very cool. The only other question I have for you, Ray, is before we sign off, can you, uh, you know, give a shout out or recommend a new piece of music, a new band, something like that, that you would recommend that maybe people haven't heard before or that should, people should check out? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a band, the Bricheros from Denver, Colorado. They're my homies that are in SAC. And uh, there's also Flight Kamikaze from Denver. They're my homies. Okay. Shivers in Casper, Wyoming. The Shock Troopers in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Split Tank in Fort Collins, um, the Nobodies in Colorado Springs. <laughs> uh, Just look at our flyers, there's man. Band, there's some bands that I'm friends with that I would recommend anybody to listen to. Um, awesome. Fuck yeah, bros. <laughs> well, that's all I got. I want to thank you so much for being here today, Ray. Uh, you know, it's awesome always having a conversation with you because you just don't give a fuck, and that's what I like about you guys. So. <laughs> Make sure to go to the show notes below to check out the new music. Follow these guys on social media. You'll see anything and everything from these guys. And hopefully if you, they come to a place near you, go check out their live show because they're awesome. And remember the Power by Rock podcast. Go buy a shirt. Yeah, go buy a shirt. Go buy a vinyl. Buy, buy the EP. All that shit, right? 
Let's but, get on Instagram yeah. together. We can, I'll sign your record. There you go. <laughs> Just don't Remember, borrow Sharpie from our merch girl. She, uh, she doesn't appreciate it. Bring your own Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't steal the band Sharpie because then the next person's going to be fucked. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then just remember, guys, the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners to show some support. Please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. You can also click below to make a donation if you feel free. Like, go ahead, do that so we can keep making some awesome episodes with awesome guests like right here. You can see the full video interview on our YouTube and Spotify now as well. If you want to check out some of our awesome content or merch and gear, head to PoweredByRock.com to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on. <laughs>